Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This activity entitled, Addressing Unmet Needs in Triage Options During Cervical Cancer Screening, is provided by Omnia Education and is supported by an independent educational grant from Roche Diagnostics. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Regardless of which screening approach you use, effective triage tests are needed to decide which patients will go on to more diagnostic testing and which can be just followed. Unfortunately, current diagnostic uncertainty leads to confusing triage and clouds patient management. This will be the focus of our discussion today. Welcome to CME on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Stephen Cohen, and joining me today is Dr. Thomas Wright, Professor Emeritus of Pathology and Cell Biology at Columbia University in New York. Welcome to the program, Tom. Thank you for having me on today, Dr. Cohen. To start off, Tom, when thinking about how we approach cervical cancer screening, what are some of the unmet needs of the current method of triage? Back when cytology was first introduced, we did not have very sensitive cytology, and it tended to call women either negative or positive. But then we got ASCUS with the Bethesda system, and that ended up with considerable numbers of women at low risk of disease needing some form of triage. We then have moved on now to HPV for primary screening and for co-testing, and that makes the problem much worse. So we've got large numbers of women in whom we just don't know whether the positive screening test is meaningful or not. So now that we have that background, Tom, what options exist to remove the diagnostic uncertainty that currently exists in triage? One of the most interesting options for triage is the use of P16. P16 is a cell cycle regulatory protein, which is normally expressed in very low levels in cervical cells. However, when a transforming HPV infection takes place, P16 gets overexpressed to the point that we can detect it using immunohistochemical methods. What this does is allow me to look at cervical biopsy, and if I'm concerned it could be a high-grade lesion, I use P16 staining, and if it stains positively, I call it a SYN2 or SYN3. There have been large trials which have been used to get FDA approval of P16 for immunohistochemistry on histology. The trial was a certain trial, it took a large number of cervical biopsies and 70 pathologists. And what it did was compare the sensitivity and the specificity of the diagnosis made by the surgical pathologists versus a diagnosis made by a panel of expert pathologists. When the surgical pathologists looked at only the H&E slide or looked at the H&E slide together with a P16 slide. When the pathologists use both H&E and the P16 slide, their overall sensitivity for SYN2 or greater increased by 11.5%. The increase in sensitivity which was seen was accompanied 
not by a decrease in specificity, but also by a 3% increase in specificity. So overall diagnostic accuracy improves when the surgical pathologist had access to P16 immunostaining. Now that is with respect to histology. Cytology is slightly different. In histology, we have architecture. In cytology, I do not have the histology. Therefore, we have to add another biomarker. And the biomarker that we use is KI67. This is a marker of cells which are proliferating. So when I see cells on cytology, which are positive for both P16 and KI67, so they're dual stain positive, I know that we have a transforming HPV infection, and I know that woman is at high risk for having a high-grade lesion. Dual staining is now FDA-approved in the United States. It's called Syntec Plus PAP, and it's by the same company that got the FDA approval for histology for P16. Now, Tom, before getting into a deeper discussion of how P16 and KI67 dual staining cytology can be used as part of triage, could you describe how they actually work and what data exists to validate the potential of this within the clinical patient population? One was a trial I was involved with, which was the Athena trial. And what we found in Athena was that the women who were HPV positive with a negative cytology had almost twice the risk of having SIN3 identified over a three-year period of time than women who were HPV positive who were dual stain negative. In addition, the sensitivity of cytology for identifying a SIN3 over a three-year period of time in HPV-positive women was only 52%, whereas the sensitivity of dual stain was 75%. In the Athena trial, specificity really was almost equivalent for the two methodologies. We also looked at the use of dual stain for triage of women who were 12 other HPV-positive. Those are women who don't have HPV 16 or 18. And again, there, we found that the sensitivity of cytology was lower than the sensitivity of dual stain, but the specificity was equivalent. The very recent large data set from Kaiser Northern California of Winsonson also shows real importance of using dual staining to determine how you manage an HPV-positive woman. They took over 3,000 HPV-positive women who they followed in the Kaiser system for up to three years. They did both cytology, if they were HPV-positive, as well as dual staining. And what they found was that dual staining showed a better risk stratification for SIN3 or greater than did cytology. Dual staining positive women had a 12% risk of SIN3 plus over the three-year period, whereas those women who were cytology positive 
only had a 10% risk. Now that doesn't sound like a huge difference, but when you put it over a very large population of women, it does make a big difference. In addition, they found that women who were HPV 16, 18 negative, and who were also dual stain negative, had a risk that was low enough for them to go into extended screening. Overall, in the Kaiser experience, triage of HPV positive women using dual staining would reduce colposcopies by about a third. Now let's explore how P16 and KI67 dual staining cytology might be utilized for primary HPV testing alone and also in the co-testing realm. Now we have an animation which will describe those triage approaches, which I'd like to share with everybody. Cervical cancer screening, or CCS, is an important component of women's health. Three routine CCS approaches include cytology alone, primary high-risk human papillomavirus, or HPV testing, and co-testing. However, results from the initial CCS may be inconclusive and current triage options can be limited if the cytology result is low-grade squamous intraepithelial lesion, or ELSL, or atypical squamous cells of undetermined significance, or ASCUS. And, in addition, if the primary high-risk HPV test is positive for other than HPV 16 or 18, or if the test is similarly positive with negative cytology, the end result is often unnecessary colposcopy. To clarify a patient's risk for having SYN3 and help guide management, a P16-KI67 dual-stain cytology technology capable of simultaneously identifying both biomarkers in the same cell can be used. The expression of P16 and KI67 in the same cell indicates that there is a transforming HPV infection. P16-KI67 dual-stain cytology algorithms can be used with primary high-risk HPV testing alone. Depending on initial HPV test results, P16-KI67 dual-staining can help to clarify next steps in patient management. In a similar fashion, P16-KI67 dual-stain cytology algorithms can be used with co-testing. Depending on the initial cytology and HPV test results, P16-KI67 dual staining can also help to clarify next steps in management. Application of the P16-KI67 dual staining technology may help ensure that women are neither under nor over-treated based on their screening results, potentially reducing the number of women who are referred for a confirmatory colposcopy. Now that we have seen the animation, I'd like to go into it in a little more depth to put some clinical context into it. First, for HPV primary screening. If a woman is positive for the 12 other genotypes, what we recommend is that we use dual staining as opposed to cytology to determine which women need colposcopy. If one of these women is dual stain positive, we'll send her on to Colpo. If she's dual stain negative, we'll follow her up in 12 months. 
Now, all of the women who are 16, 18 positive are going on to colposcopy. But there's a real benefit to doing dual staining even in women who have 16 and 18 because that tells the colposcopist which women are at greatest risk for having high-grade lesions. So the use of dual stain lets the clinician modify their treatment so that they are sure they're focusing on the highest risk women. Co-testing, there, HPV positive women who are negative cytology would have both 16 and 18 genotyping and dual staining. And this gives us very nice risk stratification. Those women with 12 other HPV who are dual stain positive are at high risk, even though they have a known cytology. They need colposcopy. Similarly, those who are dual stain negative, they can get followed up in 12 months just like we do with primary screening. It is also worthwhile, though, to do dual staining on those women who've got 16 or 18. Because if those women, just like in primary screening, are dual stain positive, they are at higher risk, and they can then have their management modified slightly. Unfortunately, we're almost at the end of today's program. But before we go, could you share some final thoughts and messages to the audience? I only have a very brief final thought, which is now that we've got very sensitive screening methods, the big hurdle in front of us is to figure out how to triage HPV-positive women so that women who are at low risk can get sent to routine screening and those who are at highest risk can get colposcopy, and workup. And this is going to require new and sensitive triage approaches, and dual staining looks like it has the potential to be that. It's a great way to round out today's discussion on how we can potentially address some of the current unmet needs in triage during cervical cancer screening. And I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Thomas Wright, for joining me today in this discussion. It was great seeing you and speaking with you again today, Tom. Same to you, Steve. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by Omnia Education and is supported by an independent educational grant from Roche Diagnostics. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash Omnia. Thank you for listening.